But strippers, man, they say the darndest things, don't they? They really do. I was there, a stripper came up to me and she goes, for $20, I'll dance for you for two songs. And I was like, that's amazing. Who else keeps time in song form? Right? Like, is there a stripper boyfriend? He gets home and she's all pissed. Like, where have you been? You're two free birds and a who let the dogs out late. <laughs> I have a dentist appointment. It's been 855,000 don't stop believing since my last cleaning. <laughs> I surely have a cavity. There's a well-spoken stripper in this one. That's the thing. Strippers are smart because all strippers will tell you that they need to strip to pay a mythical tuition to a fanciful college that doesn't exist. <laughs> They all tell you that. I met a stripper there that night that told me that she only stripped <laughs> so she could pay for medical school so she could one day be a doctor. I was like, a stripper doctor? I don't even know if that's allowed on Halloween. <laughs> it's against the Halloween rules, you know? <laughs> Here's something I bet's never been uttered by a surgeon in an operating room before, ever. Oh, yes, I saw something just like this when I was a stripper. <laughs> Did you tell the insurance company to pay me entirely in ones and fives and to have them thrown at my face in most private of areas? You did? Okay. Oh, God, he's dead. All right. Let's call it. Uh, time of death, second guitar solo, Queens, we are the champions. Welcome to the Geek Generation, episode 151. As always, I am your host, Rob Logan. Joining me on the show in just a bit today is comedian Will Noonan. I met Will a couple months ago when I first started doing comedy, and uh, he's a a fairly new wrestling fan and heard me do some bits about that, so we started chatting uh, right away. I asked him to come on the show, and we just recorded that recently. Uh, I had a really fun time talking to Will. It was great to talk some wrestling, to talk some comedy, and frankly, I just need the validation of my peers, and Will provided that for me, so I appreciate that. Um, you can check out Will's stuff at willnoonan.com. He also has a comedy album up on iTunes called Surprizo, so make sure you check that out. It's really, really funny. You heard one of those clips from that album leading into this show. Uh, the rest of it is just as good. We're not going to have any commercial breaks during the episode, so I want to get those out of the way as well. If you are an Amazon shopper, please go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. That will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. And when you do make any purchases through Amazon, you don't spend any additional money, but we do get a small kickback from what you spend there. So that's a way that you can get what you're going to get anyway, and you can support the show in the process. And we really, really appreciate that. Also, we have some shirts available in the Geek Generation store. Go to thegeekgeneration.com slash store. To get all your shirts there. So we have a pretty long episode today. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. So I hope you enjoy this show with Will Noonan. Yeah! 
Hello, hello. Test, test, test. Yeah, we're each in one channel. That's the other thing that's nice about this, too. It records in stereo. So I got left so and like right if here. So you're, if you're low for whatever reason, yeah. I can post just you, like boost you up. Oh, man. So it's pretty uh, pretty slick like that. So the first thing we've learned here is that the Rob <laughs> Logan setup is much better than the Will Newton setup. Hey, man, iPods, they have their uh, I got the I've got the usage. iPhone... And I'm I'm also editing on like a Dell from nineteen from the nineteen nineties. Yeah. With Windows uh what is that? Like Windows three point one Explorer or something like that. <laughs> Some sort of Windows thing. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. But it gets the job done. Takes you hours to export yeah. after. Well they didn't real like you just told me moments ago before we started recording yeah, yeah. that I'm putting out my podcast in way too high of a quality and that's yep. why I'm because I was complaining that I can only hold three at a time in my memory right, right. on Libsyn, and that's all because I'm putting it out at like a 360. I'm putting it out at way too high of a quality. Yep. So I've already this has already paid off for me. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> the knowledge that I have, the useless knowledge. Nah, that's useful. Yeah. I try. So occasionally. We're, we're sitting out here in the street. Yeah. Chilling in North Attleboro. Literally on the street, there will be traffic that goes by occasionally. But it's all good. We're right down the street from where Aaron Hernandez killed that guy. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. So this is kind of like... I didn't even know who that was before it happened because I don't watch sports at all. <laughs> Nothing. It is a weird thing because I'm a sports fan and I'm into a lot of like the nerdy, geeky type of stuff, too. Yeah. And I have friends in both worlds. And I have friends who exist in both worlds. Sure. But, but it is kind of... I don't... It is hard to... Like this time of year, it's hard for me to focus on wrestling and baseball equally. Sure. One usually has to take a back seat to yeah. the other at some time. And you're a, you're a fairly new wrestling fan, you told me. 6 months. Yeah. <laughs> like it's true. like it's like a sobriety. <laughs> I got about 6 months, 9 days being a wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I had to cut the addiction. I've been out for maybe 2 years of even watching. I still watch WrestleMania. Like I need it? my hit every year. Just one? I just need the one hit and oh then I'm God. good. It's so good right now. Like that's you know, I'm, I'm an act. I went to acting school. Yeah. I'm like a trained, trained, I'm a classically trained actor, right? And it's funny. Like, I haven't really given a shit about that. I haven't thought about that stuff or a lot of that stuff I learned in the past couple of years because right. I've just been doing stand up. But when I watch the WWE, I think about that stuff all the time. It's yeah. like Shakespearean to me. And like, uh, I do. I think it's like, there's something about that that is very like, people don't realize that they're actually getting like, Almost a Broadway level, uh, vaudevillian type show. Yeah, yeah. With a lot of depth, they're getting that, but they're getting it in a package that's so glossy and so like all American and right, so right. Walmartish that they. It's almost <laughs> like they're kind of getting a. They're, they're kind of getting filet mignon, but it's shaped like a cheeseburger. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, I'll get it. But and most people see beef jerky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If they're not fans, they just go, oh. Yeah, most people just smell it from a distance and are like, oh, yeah, I don't want yeah. that. Like, and I was one of those people. I was never a guy, and I can proudly say I was never someone who would shit on wrestling. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, the shit's fucking fake, and I wouldn't like make fun of my friends. I guess occasionally I would. I would too. I remember I walked by a TV and saw Seamus. Yeah. And I just was like, fuck this. <laughs> like with no knowledge, you know what I mean? Now right. I actually kind of like him. But like when I did, I was like, this is this guy, he's he's pale as fuck. He's wearing underwear. Yeah. Like I don't like it. You know? When did Beaker get jacked? I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, if this is what's the product right now, I'm not into it. Yeah, yeah. But that was just probably the meanest thing I ever said about wrestling. 
I do remember a period of time like when I was probably in that age where most people get into it, like 13, 14, mm -hmm. where I was kind of getting into it. And a friend of mine who was a hockey player friend of mine was like, don't get into wrestling, man. Like it's lame. And I do remember kind of thinking like, oh, I didn't, I didn't think it was lame, but right. also at the same time being like, well, if that's the consensus, that was probably a moment where I was kind of like, maybe I'm more of a hockey player than a wrestle yeah. wrestling fan. Made or a something. choice. Yeah, I kind of like made a choice. Yeah. I remember in this fucking shitty, probably like '89 Caprice that this guy was driving. I was like, yeah, 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 because at that point I had been playing some awesome video game about wrestling, and I loved it. But now I'm a grown man. <laughs> I'm a stand-up comedian, and I spent a lot of time alone. Yeah, I got in Boston comedy has like a huge group of guys who are into wrestling. Seems like I've kind of run into that. Like when yeah. I when I started doing my bits on it, people were like you are a wrestler. Oh, yeah. like you <laughs> you're gonna be once they all find out that you actually wrestle, it's gonna be you're gonna be a Keith Hernandez, you know, like in Jerry Seinfeld. Everyone's now if be, only oh, I yeah. could figure out how to do comedy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's what you can teach them. You know, it would take us a long time to learn how to wrestle yeah. or, or whatever. But they're all into it. They're obsessed with it. They started having like pay-per-view parties i used to do that religiously in college yeah, and it's fun right yeah, like it's even super fun it's I started, a reason just to get together every month if anything exactly and i started going for that reason sure. and i started going being like yeah i'll just smoke some pot and watch this and it'll be entertaining but i also started to just watching it once a month started to get the storyline started to realize who who's bad who's good oh yeah, yeah who's and then you're hearing from them all the great like dirt sheet type stuff and oh you know Ryback got suspended for like <laughs> saying Cena's wife divorced him or yeah. cheated on him on Twitter and when I started hearing stuff like that I was like oh man I like I started to get really interested yeah then I was on the road one night I'm in a hotel room and there was like for some reason there was like three episodes of Smackdown on uh in a row and it was the night of the Boston Marathon bomber. Oh my God. It was the night the Boston Marathon bomber was captured. Yeah. And I was in New Haven. I had left Boston during the day, like during that whole like lockdown period. So like I drove out of Boston. It was like a ghost town. Oh my God. Guy's still on the loose. No one knows where he is. Everyone's, the past few days have been like nerve wracking. Yeah. I do this show. I go on stage. He's still missing. I come off stage. They've captured him. It was like a great, <laughs> you know, I think they knew where the boat was when I went on stage, right. but when I got off stage, he was like if in If only custody. you had like, there's a disturbance in the force moment while you're up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden I felt like a warm, like a warm feeling come over yeah. me. But it was like, I just remember I did that show and I'm like feeling good and maybe smoking some grass with the guys after. And then I go back to the hotel and by myself, I throw on, I'm flipping the TV for something to watch yep. and Smackdown's on. Normally, I would have kept going, but I'm like, oh, it's it's uh it's the Shield. Like, man, they've been up to some they've been up to some <laughs> crazy stuff lately because I've been you know because I see that I'm like the Shield's right, right. really been they they they're hounds of justice. They you never know what they're gonna do. So then I'm into it, and before I knew it, I've been sitting there watching SmackDown for it like sucks three you hours, in big time. And big that was time. the day I think I think that was the birth of of yeah. like my wrestling fandom. And since then, it's been. Like I was saying to my buddy, it's like when you first get into smoking weed, you're just like, for like the first month and a half, you're just like, I can't believe I never knew about this. Like life is so much better. And then you find, and then you finally settle down into like the regular. I was, I was so religious about watching wrestling. Like I would never miss, I even watched like Velocity and stuff when that was on the little minor shows. But like, yeah. I can't miss a second of this. I don't know if something big's going to happen next it's week. True. 
Like, there's always the potential of, like, a huge comeback from somebody yeah. you don't know about. or And they also do it with the the minor shows. They tease you in the way that they go, like, oh, you might have missed main event this Wednesday at, like, 8, yeah. but uh, Fandango made a surprise appearance, and you're like, oh, I would have watched that whole thing just to, like... It's funny you say Fandango, too, because he's another guy from around here. Yeah, Johnny Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing. You Like, I got really into the not just... I got into the WWE initially, but then through these Boston comics, I started going to like the wrestling is and yeah, the beyond yeah. wrestling. And once I went to the first indie wrestling show, that was like a different level of fun. And then I was like, I really love this. When you can too. really get involved. Five seconds after I walk into my very <laughs> first one, Kona, I'm with Matt Kona and yeah. uh, Pat Barrett. This is on video too. It's hilarious. It's on the like pay per view nice, or whatever disc nice. that you can buy DVD. We walk in, and it's like, oh, my God, first wrestling event. It's beyond wrestling, and it's like no seats. You can just stand like a concert. Oh, wow. They had no chairs whatsoever? No chairs whatsoever. I've just, never even seen that. Dude, people – so the fans go right to the edge of the ring and bang on oh, it. Oh, like, no. Uh, like, that like would have made me so paranoid. I couldn't deal with that. There were times when the wrestlers were on the mat, you know, like getting pinned, and I could just see their eyes were like wide with amazement at the fact that like there were 100 rabid guys like bum, 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 bum on the oh, side. Oh, my God. But it – it was it was a great first one to go to because the energy was just insane. Yeah, and it felt like one of those. It felt like the foot soldiers in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like their secret, <laughs> yeah. you know, their secret headquarters <laughs> underground. Yeah, and you're just like you're like this is no one knows about this right now. This is crazy. <laughs> we're having this secret amazing time. So we walk in, just where the first the way they started is the doors open. The ma- there's a match going on, and only the other wrestlers are around the ring banging on it. So there's the the pre-match has begun. Yeah. The second the doors open. So as soon as everyone walks in there's already they go straight to the ring. So by the time we got in, half the people were already in. We're like, "All right, let's find our spot." We go over, <laughs> find our spot in the corner of the ring. We we're standing there for about I don't know, like a minute and Drew Gulak gets thrown out of the ring and he was supposed to like he was supposed to sit up on the top of the turnbuckle, sure. but he slipped and he landed like right on my legs and Matt Kona. Like he landed <laughs> like right on us. And it was like one of those things where the ref came over and like kind of got in his ear yeah, and yeah. they did like the hand holding thing. Make sure they're okay. Make sure they're okay. Everything was okay, but you definitely knew something had gone off off script or yeah. off like this was not supposed to happen because it looked like it really hurt. And this was all within like being there for five minutes. And then after that, I just looked at Cone. I was like, "Wow, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm in, man. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm sold." In. It's funny when I, uh, when you said the hand thing, it reminded me of something. Like I actually, uh, I actually worked a couple of my friends that came to a show. I knew they were coming. I was working at the the Dartmouth YMCA at the time, and a few of my friends were like, "Oh, we we totally want to come see you wrestle when you're performing, whatever, whatever." So I'm like, "Okay." So I told them the date. They show up. Uh, there's like there's universal unspoken things that the wrestlers know right. and that the others don't. So they were asking me all these questions. I made sure to include a certain signal. Like if the ref puts his arms up with an X, it means a, a wrestler's legit hurt. Oh shit! Like for real. So we had this spot in the match where uh, it was me versus Tim Kilgore, and he was outside the ring. And one of the things I would always do is grab the top rope and do like the leap over to the outside oh, that's a great move and his spot on that was that he was going to drop my uh it was going to be a counter he's going to drop me on his knee right on my chest and we did it jesus and it went solid and i told the ref beforehand throw up the x oh, i'm gonna man. work my friends they're all gonna think i'm hurt 
So they go nuts because they think I'm legit. They like carry me out oh, and everything. That's fantastic. They run around outside in the building and I just walk out back and like, do wow. you guys like the show? <laughs> like, yeah. You like bent. You like bent the legit. You like bent the unbendable rule. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you. You could. That's a boy who cried wolf situation. It really though. is. Yeah. Because what if? What if? Yeah. What and if? What if you had actually botched that spot and like broken your back, and then everyone's like, "Don't worry about it. He's fine." Crush my bean bag. You uh, know, <laughs> the worst of the worst. I was thinking about that on the way here with wrestling. It's there's so many like. I love that gray area between... You never know if someone's hurt or not. Even even sometimes not everyone even in, in on the match knows what's really going right, on. Right, and, and the crowd is like this third aspect. It's just like stand-up where the crowd... Like, you're on stage by yourself, but like the crowd... It's a one-on-one. Yeah. You on them. Yeah. And like they, ha- they can win as much as you can win. Like one person is going to lose and one person is going to win. Yeah. And <clears throat> the crowd makes like every match like a triple threat it's like that crowd if they yell out something insane or react in a certain way you yeah. know what i'm saying like wrestling crowds especially smart ones they have like a they have a power yeah yeah it's so weird too because when i started off it was the only ones in my mind in my peripheral vision at all it was me and the other guy yeah the crowd was not even there no, and that's, that's how i feel right now being just like yeah two months into stand-up it's true like I barely hear the crowd. I'm just like, I am, I can't even remember my material. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I can remember. I actually think about that. I, I remember saying that to my girl, like maybe last year. I was like, you know, I'm finally starting to get this feeling with the crowd. It was mm-hmm. a different feeling. I can remember all the different stages of relations relationships to cr- the crowd I've had over the years. Yeah, yeah. But I remember like sometime last year, I started to finally get into a groove where it was like, I'm seeing these people more now as like one group and I'm not li- really, I used to single out individuals more right, right. and kind of even remember people like, uh, after, after gigs and stuff. But now it's more like, I kind of don't like, I kind of don't give a fuck as, as much as I used to, <laughs> I guess is the thing. But that's kind of good, oh, it's right? A good, it's because a good then thing. your whole like comfort level changes. Yeah. I always remember, I, I always remember David Wright was on Letterman one time and okay. he, he was just talking about how. When he plays best, he's just, he's really not thinking about anything. Yeah. And he's just out there, like, he's out there playing third base, and he's, he's, mind is blank, and he's kind of just throwing the ball around with his buddies. And yep. that's, that's how I feel. When I do, when I'm doing my best stand up, I'm really just, like, very in the zone. And it's like, a lot of guys hate theaters because you're just, like, you can't really see the crowd. Sure. And it's just all black. I actually really, I don't know if it's because I started out as an actor, but I always was fine with that. And I always like really liked it. I always found it kind of freeing in a way. Yeah. Because uh, whenever I'm in a tiny club and there's like, and the people are right on you, there's always something about that. I don't know if it's just me, but there's like, I have a ass, I have a part of me that wants to find that one person's eyes and just like lock in on sure, it. Sure, sure. And I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but I just know myself and I'm at my best when I'm kind of in a zone like a closed off zone yeah but then again you can't i know like this is perfect like when you're a new comic and someone drops like their drink in the middle of your joke you're probably just gonna like finish your joke and never say anything about it you know oh yeah i have i have tunnel vision yeah right now but like that's something you learn as like you go on that like it's detrimental to you to not Mm -hmm. say anything because it's like when you don't say anything, the the spilled drink becomes the new star of the show. Yeah, and it's like the new the new focus of the room is that waitress cleaning up that drink and 
and like all that shit. So you just got to be like, no matter what, sometimes you just got to, you just got to think of your jokes like poker chips. And sometimes you win more. Sometimes (laughs) you just got to be like, you know what? I just got shitty cards today. This joke's not going to work. It's like, yeah, you can't be afraid to like cut out and just say, you know, this is a great fucking joke, but tonight's not its night. A waitress dropped out. I feel like that with all my material. (laughs) These are great jokes, but tonight is not my night. (laughs) Sometimes it is that fucking way, man. I was just watching a video of Pete Holmes. Like Pete Holmes, I fucking love that guy. I'm so glad you brought him up. Like I just started listening to "You Made It Weird" a little while ago, and just got into Pete Holmes. And I've been listening to him to to him so much that when I really started cranking down on writing and everything, I kept writing in his voice. Oh yeah, like his voice was in my head. That happens. I sound nothing like him. My delivery is nothing like him. Yeah, I shouldn't be doing that. So then I go to like attempt the material, and I'm like, what? What? Yeah. No. That happens, man. I used to. That's why I stopped listening to the Bill Burr podcast because yeah. for a while I just love him, and I've been seeing him do stand up for as long as I've been watching stand up, pretty much. Yep. And it's like if I. I can definitely watch his specials and see him once a year, but if I'm listening to him all the time, it's just, I'm going to find that rhythm. It's just the way it is. Yeah. It'd be great if you were writing for his new talk show. That would be how you'd want to (laughs) be. Exactly. But it's kind of like, that's definitely, a lot of guys are like, I don't listen to comedy because I'm too afraid of like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't agree with that because I think you still got to be inspired. Like if you were a musician, Mm -hmm. would you never go see other music? Like you got to be inspired by shit. Right. Even if just to see someone who's so much better than you to to go like, oh, man, I got to fucking up my game. like, yeah. And it's the same thing. Occasionally, maybe you will like lift something off somebody inadvertently, but you'll figure it out and you'll right. cut it out. But right. I think what you're going to get is the benefit of like seeing how it's done, seeing how like Kevin Hart's a guy, whether or not you like him or not, you could learn from watching that guy. Sure. And same with Stephen Wright. If your style is nothing like Stephen Wright's, you can still learn from watching him. Like people get so paranoid about being accused of stealing because because people do accuse people of stealing without Absolutely. any fucking evidence anymore. Right. So there is like a legitimate fear. Just because they're like jealous w- that bit was really good and they didn't think of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Or they'll be like, yeah. um, you know, that bit's about having a father man and like Cosby <laughs> already did that yeah like yeah okay everyone everything goes back to well Cosby's the Simpsons so we could yeah. say Cosby did everything exactly <laughs> I mean certain stuff and, and then and then it, people it does happen where you know two or three people are gonna be like hey uh, time can be spelled with like a like an herb or like a uh, or like a word and it's not that doesn't make them all thieves like it makes them all that was the, I was just using that as an example because it was on like Reddit today a bunch of guys made the pun like you're gonna have a bad time but oh, they did it yeah. with like like oh if you plant an herb garden you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> and they were all accusing each other of stealing it I'm like it is totally likely that all of them think right. they thought that thought of that because it's like just easy it's like Kevin Harrington with with Geek Week, I love Kevin Harrington, but it's like he always thinks everyone who does Geek Week solo from him. I'm like, dude, I think it's very likely that a lot of people rhymed geek with week. Well, we had a uh, I've had a guy on here before, Jeff Katz, who actually owns geekweek.com. Yeah. So they're a perfect example. It happens to me, man. It's like I, I think I, I thought I came up with the term uh, alterna hack. Yeah. I had this whole thing I was going to do on my CD. I mean, I've been saying this to my friend for like a couple of years. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Because that was the the bit was like, oh, when someone, you know, everyone calls comics hack, but like alternative comics are just as hack. Like yep. they always go, uh, um, at the end of every joke. Yeah. So then that happened. Um, or they'll be like, 
I don't think that's how that works. Or they start announcing their own callbacks. Yeah, now that, that was my back. big thing lately. Like I'm noticing everyone going, "Oh, callback!" Yeah, like now we're meta comedians. Or that's a thing. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a, I've been known to to uh, pat myself on the back for a callback from time to time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Everyone does these things from time to time, but some people put themselves. You know, a lot of I, I went on a little bit of a tirade with like uh, storytelling comedians and mm-hmm. stuff. So anyway, I had this whole thing I was trying to kind of do with alternative comedians being hacked and it was called alternative hack i was gonna do a joke about it so then this is something people should always do immediately instead of like three months later like i did i googled it (laughs) (laughs) i googled it and it was like it wasn't everywhere but there was this guy who had done a blog in like 2002 Mm -hmm. and even before this alternative scene i'm making fun of existed he's making fun of the 90s alternative scene the same way right right and i'm just like you know what it, that doesn't make me a thief i'm still i did drop the bit yeah or i dropped i reworked it so the alternate hack name wasn't there sure but it's like that's just kind of the nature of the beast people need to get less upset i think when it happens even still i think it comes down to the point of view because even if you talk about something like I've, I've been watching to your point of watching comedians and getting inspired I've seen people talk about something and be like, I never even thought to consider talking about that. And then I stop and go, well, what's my point of view on this particular topic? Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. you go in a different direction with it. And that's fine, I think. Like, I I feel that way. When I watch Louis C.K., like, I'm not a huge, I'm not like a guy who watches him all the time. Like, Me neither. I'm not the biggest fan ever. But I do always go like, that's such an interesting angle to take, or, or angle to take on a topic. Like, Absolutely. I'll, I mean, if, I'm a, if I've stolen anything, that's what I've stolen. I've been like, oh, you... Don't like he looks at things upside down and mm-hmm. sideways, and he can take very like nonlinear ways of finding a subject. So I've I've definitely if I see something like that, you know, you can always steal like work ethic from people. Yeah, you just shouldn't be stealing fucking jokes. But I I don't know. It's it's funny now because I do the Reddit stuff, and you know, every joke I've done, there's been one accusation of stealing oh least. yeah always none of them have been legit and none of them have like gotten any steam they've mm-hmm. all been like downvoted to shit but the irony of that is every one of those jokes has been stolen like five thousand times absolutely by like because so anytime i get a joke that goes out on the chive or something what why wouldn't a 14 year old dude who wants to look funny just type it into his thing and put it out right and people are like older comics would be like who won't listen to this anyway? So I can say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> you can, couldn't find this in a fucking uh, if they if they had a gun to the back of their head and they had to to survive. Uh, <laughs> like they're like, well, that's bullshit. But it's like, no, you don't like. I'm just putting out. This isn't my best stuff. This isn't like my material, material. Right, right. And even if it is, it's like you're putting. This is how it works now. Like you put your shit out they're there. Passing thoughts. Even if people get, even if people steal it. It comes back around, mm-hmm. like it comes back around to you, and and what what's f- happened now, which is funnier, is that like I don't even have to point it out. Like my other people will be like, "You stole that," like, yeah, like that's stolen because people just love to catch people and shit like that. Oh yeah, so they'll just say it to say it. I just sit back and watch the Twitter. Like someone will steal it, then someone will catch them, and then they'll either delete it or say, "Oh, I I meant to like you know." I meant to say that was his. Have you had people act like Twitter police and come with you and be like, oh, this guy stole your shit? Oh, yeah, all the time. And yeah. I love those people. Yeah. <laughs> I love those people way more than, like, 
I love it when any, like, I'm not one of those people who, uh, I answer anyone. I might not answer them on Twitter, but yep. I'll like, I'll, if someone emails me, I'll always answer. If someone wants to do anything, I'll always answer. Can't always answer people on Twitter because you'll get unfollowed. Like, oh, yeah. People unfollow me. Like, the other day I had, like, I fuck up on Twitter where I was like, <sighs> instead of, I had this tweet that I want to do and I kept getting typos. Mm-hmm. And instead of just, like, I kept typing it. I kept sending it out and then yeah. reading it and realizing it had a typo in it yep. and deleting it. But instead of, like, deleting it, I just, for some re- some stupid reason, I put out, like, basically the same tweet three times in a sure. row with, like, minor typos in it. And then after, deleted two of them. Yep. And that error alone cost me about, like, a 1,500 to 2,000 followers. <laughs> like, people were just like, fuck you, click unfollowed and people were even like saying it to me they were like why are you tweeting the same shit three times in a row unfollowed i'm just like god i hate this shit (laughs) i hate this aspect of it you need to tweet out the same tweet three times in a row like guys please don't unfollow me but have it spelled incorrectly three different ways people one time i live tweeted a wrestlemania or uh i think it was wrestle that's one of the most fun things to do now during a wrestling pay-per-view is follow along on twitter yeah if you have a lot of fucking like my wrestling fans who are my (laughs) fans love it but the fucking teenage girls are like unfollow motherfucker shane hurricane helms best guy to follow during a wrestling pay-per-view really oh my god so great what's he look like um, he was he was I the superhero gimmick. People, I'm just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm wondering if I've seen him because I saw a guy named Shane. Oh, uh, well, he was in Black WWE fellow. for a while. Black fellow. Oh yeah, no. A more in Shakespearean. <laughs> Shane uh, Sugar. What was his name? He was. Who Sugar Shane Helms? Maybe. And then he was the Hurricane later on. This guy I saw. I don't know if I've seen him. I saw a great guy. I, I freaked him out. That's the funny thing. Like. I've met like a lot of like when I meet like an actor or a comedian, I never really get too nervous. When yeah. I met Bill Burr, I was kind of nervous. I kind of yeah, like yeah. kind of marked out. I was kind of like, to me. I did a little when I met Hardwick and Fitzsimmons. Yeah, uh, Fitzsimmons, dude. I actually just went. I like I just shook his hand. Yeah. and said like, "It's great to meet you. I'm a big fan." And I actually like booked it because I was like, I can't. Oh, see, I talked to him before the show. He was gonna do the show. Oh really? Yeah, like I, well, I sponsored um, one of his overheard segments before, oh. and uh, he read the ad for this show. And oh, I think I probably heard that. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At some point, I think I've listened to every Fitzdog. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. Every I single one. It's my number um, one. But I saw him the week that he was here uh, after the bombing happened. Yeah. On like the Thursday night, and I had asked him if he would do the show beforehand, like kind of reintroducing myself, and he emailed back. We went back and forth a little bit. And he couldn't because he was having, and you probably heard it on the show when he was talking about his voice being really bad. Oh, yeah. It was that period and like right at the start of it. Ugh. He's like, it's Thursday night. If I do a podcast right before I go on and then I have three other shows over the course of the weekend yeah. and his own podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, totally understand. But we talked at the show and uh, I know he's coming back around in like December. He's yeah, he's going to be, be at Laugh Boston. Boston. Yeah, I was just... I just, So, yeah, I'm going to get in touch with him again, and hopefully... He's doing a podcast there, too. Yeah, oh, that's the one I want to go to. Like, I saw him do the stand-up recently, Yeah, I want to go to the podcast. I, I snuck in and saw him at BU. Oh, yeah? Uh, a friend of mine opened for him, Nick Pine, and I was like... It was just supposed to be for, like, BU people. Yeah. <laughs> and I went in, because I, I can never... He's always... I'm always out of town when he's in town. Oh, uh, So, yeah. I'd never seen him, and I was like, I got to go. And then... It was this really embarrassing thing where I'm like backstage and another guy who was kind of like a uh, like a show busy guy. Yeah, he was the one who introduced me and he goes, um, 
He goes, you must know Will Noonan. Oh, no. Isn't that the worst oh, fucking no. shit? And, now uh, there's an expectation. Now there's like this weird expectation. First of all, let me say, no, he must not. <laughs> <laughs> Who the he, fuck are we? <laughs> he, he does not know me. And he definitely, if he does, it's just for me writing in overheards and like yeah. bothering him. Uh, so I was like, so I was imme- immediately like put off by that. And I go, um, I go, uh, great to meet you. Like, and first of all, I've heard he has a reputation for being kind of a cranky guy and kind of like, I don't know anything He was about so him. nice when I met That's him. That's what people always so say. So nice. But his persona is a lot more cranky than he is. I didn't want to change anything about the way I felt about him. Right. Because I learned that with Burr and Louis C.K. That you don't want to meet your heroes? Well, neither one of them are dicks. Yeah. But it's just like, it's me. It's like, I embarrass myself sometimes yeah. when I'm around. And not like by saying or doing anything. It's by not saying. I clam up. I can't be myself. Because I'm just too... I think now I got a little more, like, stripes I could do it. Sure. But back then, when I when I met Burr, it was just kind of like... I was in the height of being a fan of his. Yep. It was backstage. And I just remember... He was cool. He was like, come on. We were in the back dressing room of the Wilbur, and he's like, with this other guy, Dan Smith, the guy who introduced me to him, who was okay. opening for him. And he's like, um, Nick's Comedy Stop's still open? I'm like, yeah, I just, I just did a spot there. He's like, I'd love to check it out. Let's go. And Dan's like, I'll stay here. So all of a sudden, now me and Bill Burr alone are walking oh out of the God. theater to Nick's Comedy Stop. Yeah. And people are like, there's a line already out front to yeah, see yeah. him. People are turning their heads. And he's like, so, um, he's like asking me questions about like people around. I actually, looking back, I've done this, I've gone over the things oh, I could I have, have no said. no doubt. I've done this with other people too, yeah. I could have said, we have friends in common. We sure. know people. But I'm just going like, Saw you and Patrice once in uh, the Village, two thousand one. So good, <laughs> so awesome. Daddy, da, da, take da, me, da. take me by the hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take me to Hollywood. Make me a star. So he's like, yeah, those were good times. So then we like go to Nick's Comedy Stop and uh, Lamont and Kyle Plouffe, who both have met him, are standing out front. But they're like both see me like walking down the street with him, and they're like, whoa. Everyone was like, why is Noonan hanging out with Bill Burr? And then, uh, <laughs> so we go in and check it out real quick. And he's like, all right, I got to go back. So we go back. Yep. And then we're walking. We, we had to go in the backstage door and we actually walked across the stage, like with oh. the curtain closed. <laughs> so we're like behind the curtain. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on the stage with Bill Burr behind the curtain. Shit. And I'm like, Paul Verzi, who's this guy I had opened for who opens. I'm like the opener for Bill Burr's openers. I've opened for <laughs> I've opened for all the people who opened for him. I've opened for Joe oh, really? Rosa. I've opened for Paul Verzi. I've opened for Dan Smith. I've opened those are all people who opened for him all the fucking time. Yeah. Uh so I've worked with them all. So I was I did have so I was like, hey, Paul Verzi uh told me to say blah blah blah. And he's like, How do you know Verzi? Like, it's like, it was like wicked. People don't know this about Bill Burr. He's like a fucking intimidating presence. He's, yeah. He looks short, but he's six foot like two. Squirrely. And, he, and he's like, he always looks like he's ready to punch. Like yep. he's like got a fucking clenched fist and like a, like a jack, like an old time forties Jack Johnson like stance. <laughs> and, and he was like, how do you know Paul Fersey? And I'm like, I just remember going, uh, I met him at his level. I was like, I worked with him. <laughs> 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 with the shoulder like, and like, everything. Yeah, like I was like, I fucking worked with them. You know what I mean? Like I didn't go like, oh, I even slipped with... into a billboard yeah, voice. <laughs> yeah, like I was just like, and then I remember him being like, all right. <laughs> it was just this weird. Well, don't get so defensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it was like this other thing where the one thing I, 
he started talking about Bill Belichick, and I had said I'd just seen the first five minutes of a documentary about him. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, that's good. He goes, so I tell him about the first five minutes. He's like, anything else? Then? And then I, I really had, like, nothing else because I had just seen, like, five but minutes of it. Keep... But you want to keep yeah, going? So I'm yeah. just like, um, it was the hat he had on. was It was funny, man. I can't <laughs> yeah. describe it. It was just such a funny hat. So then, you know, now every time I see Bobar, I got to think about that. So now when I see Fitzsimmons, I'm mm-hmm. just like, great to meet you, big fan. And I just turn around and get the fuck out of there. Sure. I'd rather meet him under like a cooler circumstance. When you, because oh, I've learned that like when you're the guy who gets let in backstage to meet somebody, yeah. there's a way different thing than when you're actually opening for them. Sure. That's when you get to like chill and hang and actually, that's when you get the interaction you want to have with them. Because now you're working together. There's already like an unsaid thing, like where they they respect you at least We're a little bit. We're in the same bit. club. Yeah, yeah. They respect like you. Anyone can walk up to him, and go, "Oh, I'm a comedian." No, for real, really, I am. Right, right, no, right. No, really, really, I'm a comedian. Like anyone can fucking say that, but like when you open for someone, it's different. So <clears throat> now when I go see somebody, I try and just like, even if I have a connection, I'm just kind of like play cool a little bit. Even though I, uh, Stanhope, I hung out with like, cause my but that was my girlfriend's mother. Is like has lifelong childhood friends with Stanhope, and they like they, oh, yeah? they were like first loves, and they dated, and they still keep in touch. Damn. So we ended up all hanging out, but that was uh, that was like different, I guess, because he's just like he's a like gregarious. He dude. seems really chill, and people would come up to him. We'd smoking a cigarette on the street. People would come up and just be like, "Hey, Doug Stanhope, such a big fan. I went to yeah. your show." And he'd be like, "Oh, that's cool. Hey, I'm gonna have a beer." And he'd be like, "Come on." And he'd go in and he'd, t- <laughs> he'd just be like, "Come on, everybody," and bring the whole people into intermingle with this family and everybody else it, that's how you'd imagine him to be and that's how he, he re- he's what you see is what you get yeah. with him. i remember thinking too like i was like two inches away from him because we're in a loud bar talking to each other mm-hmm. i remember being like he has a great skin for like a fucking full-blown <laughs> alcoholic yeah yeah <laughs> do you how ever get that way by? when you meet famous people like i get i get lost what, in like, like my minutia of their face yeah no, i don't know if it's necessarily like face minutia but i i do start overanalyzing but i'm, I'm always like they start talking general. to you though like so they're like well rob when i was on the set of uh, star trek <laughs> next, generation, next generation you know like you're kind of like looking like even when bill burr was Sometimes. talking to me like i'm listening to him but i'm like that's the guy that i'm looking at the right, guy right right that, right. that i've watched that's all the these same hours dude that was on the tv yeah yeah, yeah i'm I've talking to like him that. sure absolutely it is weird there's something like really surreal about it like breaking that that glass screen and having the person directly in front of you. It's less fun than it used to be. I, I saw Ziggler the other day in person. Oh, um, yeah. I saw that you uh, yeah tweeted that picture out. And that was like less. I, it used to be before HDTV. Mm-hmm. It used to be like you'd see someone on. You'd see like a Celtic. Like I, like you'd see a Celtic in real life. And you'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, that's what they really look like. Yeah. Or you'd see a movie star like Alec Baldwin or something. And you'd be like, oh, man, like look at him. He's got like. He's got like imperfections in his skin, or he's, <laughs> he's got human. bags under his eyes, you know. Yeah. But now, because of HD, it's like when you see someone, you're like, yeah, that's them. That's what they look like. Like you see yeah. the famous person. I don't know. Like I, we're probably the last generation that'll ever think of like get that. But it's kind of like I remember thinking that when I met somebody recently. It just it used to be like when you saw a famous person that you don't only seen in movies or TV. There was like that soft sort of. Mm. There's a haze. Haze, the yeah. makeup. They have an aura. The little, like, little less, yeah, and then you'd see them in person, you just see that, the details, but now, yeah. 
even Brad Pitt, you can see he's a harder looking guy with the HD. Do you think it's the accessibility too? Like the fact that you can tweet at some of these people and there's an a chance they'll see it or even know. respond? Like I don't know. That is weird, right? Like the pedestal's lower. I got into this whole game like before that shit. I was just yeah. saying that somebody like I graduated from school in 2001 from high school, right? Okay. And it was like, I wanted to be an actor. I was going to an acting school. Mm-hmm. That was, I was the only kid in my fucking town who was looking to get into show business. Yeah. I doubt if you go to a town now and go to a graduating yeah. high school class that there's only one kid who's looking to get into like show business. People used to be like, you're fucking crazy. People used to be like, this is not something people do or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Then I go to New York there's like at that time there's one or two reality shows on TV mm-hmm. like Temptation Island and Survivor and and nothing else and it was like by the time I graduated from like acting school there was like half the fucking shows that there were before yep. the Merrimax like boom of like good movies with like large casts of like regular looking people yep. was done yeah shows like Law and Order and stuff like that were like you know, cutting down and there, there used to be like soap operas. Those are gone. There's only like two soap operas. All on the there. entry points, all the entry points are gone. All the movie stars that started to come out were they, they, they weren't like discovering people anymore. It was like only child actors who had grown up into yeah. men and women. Yeah. Like, like Jake Gyllenhaal was a child actor. Disney Gosling. Channel kids. All these people have been on screen. So it became like this thing where I was, there's just like no way. And I picked the worst possible time. Too. Yeah. Because nowadays it is just so people just want to be famous so hard. Like my niece is five years old and like her, they just want to be like all the TV shows they watch. Mm-hmm. The main character is it's just like the shows we used to watch. Only the main character is also a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Punky Brewster, only Punky Brewster has a web blog that everyone watches and she's a celebrity. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. That's just it's just a very like that just wasn't the way it was. It was like very kind of nerdy and rare to want to be a actor or movie star or something. It was still kind of like a pipe dream type thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I probably would have pursued something. Like the fact that I'm just starting comedy now. And and this is a funny thing too, when you said you graduated in two thousand one. I'm like, shit, I'm older than he is. I assume everybody <laughs> that's been doing stuff like for a while is older than me. It's just an assumption I no, make. No, that's like, how I, I think so too. Like, I graduated in 99. I figured so, we were about the same age. We were yeah, pretty roughly, much yeah. the same age. Um, but <laughs> that was just a funny thing that sprung into my head. Everyone uh, thinks I'm younger than I am though. I usually get that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see that because we're both so handsome and young. Yeah, baby faces. Young, yeah. <laughs> or just good guys. <laughs> you, one of these, you can do a standing shooting star press though and I can't. That's, that's true. A, that was that's your true. finisher, right? It was originally, so see yeah. See the research I did for this? That's right. Before I switched to the Swanton Bomb temporarily. Wow. And then a uh, a choke STO in my superhero gimmick before I... What does STO stand for? Um, That is a good question. I always wonder that. I, I know it stands for something. I always think it's something dirty like... like like shut the fuck like right 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 because it sounds like that. And yeah. Cena had his moves that were like the STF. STF, which, right. Yeah. And then he called it the STFU originally. You know, his brother, Cena's brother was in the audience of the show I did on Friday night. Oh, was he? Yeah, I met oh, him. Shit. And uh, there's a big weird, uh, I heard a lot of good Cena stories this weekend. I heard one a <laughs> while back too, but you can go first. Oh, it's just, I was, I decided after the show there was like 200 wrestling fans, WWE fans out there yeah. to um, to meet 
the wrestlers, they always go to Kowloon after they do a show. Okay. I didn't know that, but apparently for like 25, 30 years, they've been going. After they do the show, the WWE, they're welcome at Kowloon. They set off a section for them. Wow. Curtain it off and everything. So there's like, I mean, hundreds, 200, 300 fans outside. I was like, you know what? I'll wait around an hour. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what some of these guys, I, for some reason... I didn't know I was such a Ryback fan, but in my mind, I was like, I really want to see Ryback. I just want to see him. I want to see what he looks like. <laughs> Unknown fandom. Like, why, yeah. why am I feeling this yeah, right like, now? Yeah, like, because it was people, because someone was like, who do you want to see? And I was like, oh, and then in my mind, I caught myself when I was actually waiting, yeah. being like, I hope Ryback comes. I want to see Ryback. Like, Maybe you just want to see how big he is. I think that's what it is. Like, you know, because, yeah, I just want to see yeah. what that guy looks like. And I think I just picture him, like, eating a lot of food. I get that. <laughs> you want to see Ryback put away, like, a plate of sushi. But anyway, I was, like, so just killing time, I started kind of asking the fans, like, because they were, like, lifers and they come all the time, stories. And yep. the cops that work there, I, I know them. They were all telling me stories, and they were all good. They were all like, oh, yeah, Cena stays out here for an hour and a half. He signs every Holy shit. for every person. In the wintertime, they had to actually put the cops out in shifts because they'd get cold because it was so cold but Cena was signing in a t-shirt for an hour and a half wow and like well when you have that much muscle your body heat lasts for a lot longer I know right I'm like <laughs> yeah exactly that dude is a house even his brother was his brother's yeah. a state trooper he was pretty ripped too but you know like I mean I'm not the I'm not a Cena hater. I'm mm -hmm. not a big fan either. I know what you mean. Yeah. But it's like when I hear stories like that I can't it's hard to yeah I mean hard to the, dislike the fact the that the guy is like the top wish granter for make a wish and stuff like yeah how how do you judge a person like and that? i just think he's in on it like he gets it mm -hmm. he knows he knows that the like he loves both sides of the argument uh-huh that's that's my favorite thing about him like when he gets booed he has just as much fun as when he gets cheered absolutely even at wrestlemania last year he got booed so hard and that one i felt like he kind it kind of hurt a little yeah because <laughs> it was met life yeah and the, and he knew that was going to be like on NBC later that year. He yeah. just knew. But it was still just like, ah, yeah. That's one of the things they told us when I started training. They're like, if if they're not sitting on their hands and they're making noise, you're winning. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they're saying. If they care. It's true, right? I mean, some guys like get so much heat that they actually get like attacked. Mm -hmm. But that must be kind of the ultimate. That's like making someone. <laughs> you get stabbed and you're like, oh, best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I matter. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I, I mean, comedy-wise, I do feel that way sometimes. Like, when I make someone laugh so hard they cry. Like, when someone's... I'll, I will remember the one, this woman's face. I've mentioned her on many a podcast. But, like, the first person I ever really made, like, laugh Guffaw. that hard in a comedy club. There's this one lady in stand-up New York. She was just crying so hard, like, she couldn't breathe. And I remember being like, this is, this is what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Or, like, when someone snorts. That's always good. I <laughs> that, hate it when people make fun of that person. The yeah. Snort, yeah. yeah it's, it just means they're laughing. Like, I love I, I'm all that waiting shit. for the snort just to do like the stop, stop my pace yeah. of whatever is going on. Just the, just for the quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the quick look. So I never like to like give him too much shit about it. Cause it's like, cause it's like, I hate to, I hate to like scold someone for like enjoying my material. Yeah. But sometimes it is true. You just get back snort. I will just, I'll be like snort. Points. But even just just a little thing there that can amplify everybody yeah. else, though. Or if you can get like beer to come out of someone's nose, that's yeah. another like great <laughs> one. I made a, I did a gig once where this chick was farting her all the time. Like, <laughs> she was. I hate to like 
just just to tell the truth, she was like kind of like mental. She was kind of like a mentally okay. handicapped person. Yeah. And she was a lot of fun already doing that, but she was having a great time and she would like laugh and kind of punctuate her laughter with farts. <laughs> <laughs> I love how different the goals of comedians are than other professions. <laughs> yeah. We want farts, snorts, and yeah. guffaws. Well, and the other thing too, it's it's like when they turn you know, like I think there's nights where you're when you're really on, you can kind of like play with them like it's like a cat like in a string, you know, and you yeah. can kind of like when you're really on, you can kind of make them hate you and then make them love you. It's just like wrestling, yeah. you know, like you, in that sense. Like, and I, I think that's another thing that appeals to me about it. It's like the heel aspect of wrestling and the heel aspect of comedy. And in, in, in any given comedy set, you can be a face and a heel like 10 oh, times. Oh, absolutely. You know? And you can go back and forth even but quicker you, than wrestling. If you embrace the heelness, like wrestlers embra- embrace the heelness, I think it's like, I, that's something like just in the past six months I've really gotten into. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? When these guys on Reddit shit all over me, I'm just going to take it as like as heat instead of as like soul-crushing uh criticism. <laughs> well, you must follow CM Punk on Twitter. Yeah. He is the greatest like Twitter heel ever. Yeah. I love how he's so funny. Un, 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 what is it? Blocked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then no, follow me, blocked. I love it. It's I just wonder what he's like. That documentary was intense. You ever see that documentary? The PCM Punk? Punk one? No. The the one WWE put out? I'm dying to see it. You should, I just haven't it's gotten not, around to it yet. It's not a, it doesn't even seem like it seems like a skate video more than like a WWE yeah. doc. Like they must have just had one to hit someone he chose directed because it's like very like CM Punk ish. But he is an intense fucking dude. I love that guy. My buddy likes to point out how he like he goes, uh Music's a real escape for me. Well, you know, it's not an escape because I never escape from anything. But I love music. <laughs> my buddy was always right. like, "Come on, punk, just just let us let us in. <laughs> Say you love music. Open the door, punk. <laughs> yeah, but that's definitely. I don't know. I'd be, he's he's another guy. If I saw him in public, I would never. I wouldn't go up to him and say. Oh, anything. I would. You would. At this point, I I regret like. I grew up so timid and so shy. It's one of the reasons I started wrestling is I wanted to force myself out of that. That's interesting. And I think it's one of the reasons that, like, I always wanted to do stand-up, but I never could. Like, wrestling was a necessary step for me to get I absolutely get that, yeah. So, like, now I'm... I almost force myself into every situation. Like, there are so... I have so many regrets of not doing something in my life that every time I see a moment, I'm like, if I... My thought is, if I don't now... That's a very proactive way to live, man. I think that's I think that's a good way to be. I, I you know, I guess I'm more like that than I used to be. I definitely think a key to life is continually putting yourself in tough situations and succeeding and yeah. being like it's always less scary than you thought it was gonna be. Yeah, yeah. The fear and anticipation is always worse than what it is. But I get that. Like I I got to stand up in a weird way. Like I was doing the acting thing and it wasn't working and I ended up getting a job as a karaoke host to like pay the bills. But that was just like like hosting a four-hour comedy show where everyone sucks. And every practice. Single night. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I started to get like real where legit laughs. <laughs> I started getting like real legit laughs like by making fun of people and stuff and just making the people work. And then I, I got the balls to go do an open mic and it was like, boom, love. Like, Do you remember what your first set was like? Yeah, my first set was not bad, but I did a lot of – like I prepared – I think I prepared for like six months – Wow. And I remember like, well, it was weird. Like the way I, I very like, I, I, I really like tiptoed my way in. Like it was, I was doing this 
I was doing these like off off Broadway, like off 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 Broadway plays. Okay. That were like very cool and very like weird, but like not a lot of people in the audience, like 20, 30 people, not making fucking any money. I was auditioning for shit and then I just wasn't getting anything, so I stopped getting the auditions, right? Yeah. So now I'm basically like a bar worker who says he's an actor and just a drunk, basically. So my buddy I was bar backing and bartending and shit and not okay. really making a lot of dough. My buddy was like, this is in New York City. My buddy was like a karaoke host. He was like this charismatic guy, but he was a great singer too. He was making like 400 bucks a night doing this karaoke hosting gig. So he's like, you'd be good at it, man. You know, you should do it. So I'm like, actually, this is funny. I like fought against it. I was like, no, nah, I don't want it. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't take it. It's too, I hate karaoke, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then he was just getting laid all the time. And making tons of money. Well, whenever someone puts that on the table. That was the main deal. <laughs> that was definitely the key. Like, he was hooking up with hot chicks all the time yeah. and making cash 400 every night. So, you know, long story short, I get that gig. And and I'm same thing happens to me. Starting to get laid all the time. Confidence yeah. goes up. I'm drinking like a fucking fish, but I'm making like tons of money and spending it really fast. But then I started doing jokes and got the courage. I'm like, people, when people start telling you you should do stand-up yep. fucking do it like that's a, one of my biggest regrets is people probably told me i should be doing stand-up since i was 18 yeah. and it took till i was 20 fucking five or 26 to actually do it you know just do it if people are telling you to do it so people were like you should do it you should do it uh, i was like i don't know i don't know so then i started producing and ma- directing like these little videos like funny like sketches okay i was like oh maybe i'll be like doing that i'll be like the funnier die guy right 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 still i still thought i was too good for stand-up or something <laughs> and i'm like and then even the directors of that or the people i'd work with on that they'd all be like is this just to pr- promote your stand-up because you you do stand-up right like they would just assume and stuff sure. so then finally i'm like because who does all this work and doesn't do stand-up exactly <laughs> so finally i spent probably six months writing like a five minute routine shit and uh my very first open mic was on a monday it was right after new year's eve i was one of those new year's resolutions gonna be gotcha. be a comedian so it was like a few days after new year's eve i go to this open mic on a monday at the underground lounge in new york and i actually had a really good set like because i had i was smart enough to know I, all i needed was like a good open and a good close and okay. if i had a good open and a good close I would be okay. So I had like a really good set for a first timer. I was sh- I remember I was really scared. I was shaking violently. Like my hands were just so shaky. I remember yeah. that. And I remember not like just not seeing anything but the light. But I remember my closing joke was uh I go uh, <laughs> which, which was a joke I told for like a year. <laughs> uh I was it was a uh, I hate it when a famous person gets uh an illness and uses it to get more fame they go on oprah they make them you know tons of money off it they write a book like cheryl crow had a terminal illness but luckily for her it went away isn't it nice to know that even cancer only has a passing interest in cheryl crow oh. <laughs> that was my first closer <laughs> and it was a wicked and yeah and it would go right. oh but right. like since i did it on an open mic it got like a huge laugh because comics are so sick yeah yeah so the guy goes this is a new york you know the guy goes Good stuff. Come back Friday. So I'm like, first, first of all, I'm like, oh, here I go. I'm a comic. He <laughs> yeah. wants me on the weekend show. I tell my friends, I'm like, the guy just told me to come back Friday and Saturday. I'm, I'm working. I'm a comedian. I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> that was quick, right? <laughs> so I, so I like come back 
you know, all week I'm telling all my fucking every broad I'm talking to. I'm a comedian. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Fucking, I do stand up. You know, <laughs> I fucking go back to the uh, place. He's like, come two hours before the show. I'm like, oh, that's weird, but that's probably we're probably all gonna hang out in the back and talk comedy. Sure, sure. So then I get there, <laughs> and he's like, gives me. He's like, great to see you. What's your name? Will. Yeah, right. Good to see you, man. Here, hands me this stack of flyers. That's oh, about I'll hand him out about six inches thick. And he's like, go up to like 116th and hand these out in the cold for the next couple hours, and uh, you'll get five minutes. So I did that for about two years. Yeah. Every Friday and Saturday, go go i worked my way up to kind of like head of the head of the barkers as we were called you know worked my way up to like a gig where i would just go to the youth hostel and kind of grab 20 people and bring them (laughs) and then eventually i didn't have to do it at all but it was like i never really did the open mic scene so i kind of got lucky that way like i got in with this guy immediately where i was right even though i was doing the same club every weekend i was in front of crowds i wasn't in front of other comics Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was the way I got into it. And I did, I mean, those were some some rough nights. Yeah. And I remember we were right next to the subway station. And a lot of times I would bomb and go down the stairs, get on the train right after the show. And the whole crowd would come right down, like to get the train, the downtown train, you know? Yeah. And they'd all just be like, it'd be just so, they'd, they'd look at me like I just like, you know, like I just shit my pants in front right, of them. Right. Like, hey, like, hey it's like, sorry, right. man. But they also like couldn't even like keep eye contact with Ooh. me. Like, like I had some disease. And it's true. Like, you know, like everyone bombs, and it's just those are the toughest years. If you can get through that shit, that you know, that's what makes you a comedian. My second set that I ever did was definitely Bomb City. It was here. It was the yeah. first time I was here, and it was uh, like I may have been here for that. I, maybe uh, I think it was. I think I was here for your first set. My first set was at um my like first set overall oh. was at one of Kevin's shows. Maybe I did an all Star Trek set and I wrote for a month straight because nice. I've I'd been writing for years. Like I've always had this in the back of my head. You log and I've been writing for years <laughs> and I have all this stuff written, uh, yeah. but I never actually got up. But then uh, when Kevin said uh, I I had asked him if I could do a show and he said there's a Star Trek one coming up. I'm like I have no Star Trek material, <laughs> but I had a month, so I was yeah. like okay, yeah. so crank out five minutes in a month and actually my last my closer was a very pete holmes ish bit yeah. where i had the crowd chanting back at me and stuff oh, and yeah. i was like if i'm gonna go up there i gotta i gotta get out of my comfort zone right away yeah and take a huge risky bit right no, at the that's end wise man see you're ahead of the game i like to think so but i don't I know. think you are there's no one way to get in either like you could you can incorporate all the performance aspects from wrestling into, right. s- into stand-up. Right. I like to think I incorporate non-stand-up things into stand-up. Don't know if I do, but, you know. I hope when I start getting comfortable on the stage, all that crowd manipulation stuff that I learned will yeah. kind of come back over to me. Uh, I think so. I think so. Like, I think I used... I actually think the karaoke stuff comes in a lot handier than the yeah. than the acting stuff all the time. Especially yeah. with the, like... Getting getting a crowd back once they're gone, you know, like getting just finding energy where there is none. Like, yes, that's that's like something I used to do all the time as a uh, karaoke host. Those are some of the longest fucking nights in my life, man. I still I still thank God, like (laughs) not a religious (laughs) man, but I thank God like that. I don't do that job anymore. It was just brutal. Well, I think my 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 day job is one of the best trainings I've had for this, too. Because I'm a teacher. I've Fuck been yeah. teaching for six years. 
I have to get up on stage in front of a group of high school kids and occupy their attention for 70 minutes straight. And that's talking off the cuff, man. Yeah. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. (laughs) How's that for an articulate? Talking (laughs) off the cuff, man. That's, that's what it's all about. (laughs) I want to ask you this too, because, uh, I'm like, I have the opportunity to pick your brain. Ask me anything. And, and put it I'm out, out of, there. I'm out of interesting things to say. So. Um, <laughs> so I'm at the point where I still feel like I haven't repeated a lot of stuff. And I feel like since I'm up in front of the same guys a lot, because yeah. it is a lot of us like coming down to this open mic every Wednesday and stuff. And I'm like, I can't do the same joke again. They heard that already. Uh, like, when does that go away? <laughs> I Yeah, see, like, I always, my stance on that is I always tell people, like, I think for your first year, yep. I didn't, like, I wouldn't change much. I'd keep 10 minutes going, like, because it's not about, and no one here is going to judge you for that, I don't think. I would say maybe just to keep yourself interested, maybe add one new joke every week. But I think when you're first starting out, it's like really important to get that 10 minutes and get it tight mm-hmm. because you're not just like, it's not about coming up with like, okay, um, you know, strippers keep time using songs. Sure. That's a joke. <laughs> right, right. So that's like one joke. So you, now you wrote that, you feel bad because this week you haven't written another thing that's like strippers tell time using songs. Yeah. But it's like, instead of that, Make that stripper telling time using songs joke better. And over the course of a year, right. you're not only making your set better, you're just learning how to write jokes. Like, So now your new jokes will skip the four steps. That, gotcha. You know what I mean? Your new shit will skip. You're basically like taking a piece of clay yep. and you're trying to make the perfect, say you're trying to make a statue of a man. Instead of like, or a woman, <laughs> but instead of... I prefer the female con- figure myself. <laughs> <laughs> instead of continuously making 80 of them, yeah. you're br- cont- breaking down the same piece of clay and making another man, and each time it's getting better, but you yeah. just keep breaking it down. But I think the act of working on that same bit, and, and sh- it's like a samurai sh- sword getting it sharp, you're teaching yourself because everyone learns differently everyone writes differently everyone performs differently so you have to like learn how you do it yeah and that's the way i think it's done is by by repetition just like shooting free throws yeah because i mean the first time i go up with anything was that nine metaphors or nine similes (laughs) write them down get the checklist out um every time i go up i feel like i see the words like i write it word for word when i write it right now right because i hate having the potential of empty space and I can see it like on a teleprompter in front of my brain. That's an interesting sentence. You fee- you, you hate the empty space. Yeah. Oh no, you got to learn to you got to learn know, to, you got to learn I to know. make friends with that. I've been I've been I've been just like rapid fire. And remember, my stuff. it's like feels longer to you than it is. Yeah. Like absolutely. But John Fish is a great guy. Who I change like I used to feel that way until I worked with him. Okay. Like he. If you're listening or you should watch, like YouTube him, John Fish, J-O-N-F-I-S-C-H. Okay. He moves at a very deliberate kind of slow pace and he, he'll take long pauses. And we did a gig together where it was like a shitty room as far as people, like maybe 20 people. And it was a small place and you could feel how empty it was. And instead of just like hitting them with crazy energy and trying to like rile them up, he would just like say a joke, kind of look around for like 30 seconds, (laughs) 
not sweating anything. Yeah. Very calmly. Then he'd either say the punchline, maybe, I'd tag it, move on to the next thing. And it was kind of uncomfortable for maybe like two or three minutes. Yeah. But like then you're in, he's controlling the pace. And by the end of that set, he was crushing with the same shit. It's like, I think what you learn with time is that like, it's like you captain the ship. It's like getting your driver's license. Mm-hmm. When you first get your driver's license, you're like, you want to show everyone like, look, I can start this thing. I can pull it out. Yeah. 100% of this journey is going to be safe. You're going to feel great and you're going to get there and you're going to leave this trip thinking Rob Logan's a good driver. <laughs> when you've been doing it for longer. Yeah. It's just like driving. You're like, I'm just going to get us there, and I'm going to get us there fucking fast. <laughs> and I might run a few yellows. Yep. I might. You might hold on to the OGs bar a couple of times. <laughs> you might not even know how you get there, but you're going to – It might. But by the time you get there, you might get there five minutes. It's just going to be fun. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah. just like you learn to kind of be like – I still think you close strong – the whole fucking thing is forgiven. Right, right, People right. only remember... You get a laugh at the oh, end. Oh, man, he was fun. You know, you can have a terrible yeah. set and your last joke goes good. They love you. But it's like... Because they say your name at the end. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like people... I don't know. I think it's like when you start out, you really... Are, yeah, you... Because you, because it's hard to get back, you know? And mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of great... Like, when you don't have a ton of jokes to pick from, it can be tough to get back. But it's like... Yeah, I think the longer you do it, the less nervous with that empty space and yeah you realize you can come back from fucking anything i think the older like the real sick veterans they like almost tank you know on purpose right right just to just to make it fun like i can't wait till i have the experience to where like i can write down a word and be like i'm just gonna see what happens i don't think i've ever done that no (laughs) No. i mean i've tried i've tried to do the Chappelle thing where i'm like tonight i'm just gonna talk oh yeah usually fucking sucks yeah i usually try it here too but I'm more like, I got to have a few kind of ideas. So I'm not looking on people. I, I'm one of those people who stares off into space when I talk. Yeah. And it annoys it annoys people, I know, but I can't. I can't I'm a fucking ADD guy. <laughs> uh, but, like, I'm more like, I need to have a few sort of ideas. Mm. Like, a, I'll kind of, my jokes are almost like, the joke I'll bring to the to the show is almost like a joke from a joke book. Like, okay. milk is like ordering milk in a restaurant is weird. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like. So then I'll go up there and try, hopefully, yeah. to get like something out of that. But you'll you've seen me millions of times go like, like I'll say something if if there's no reaction to just that basic idea, yeah. I'm like, all right, fuck it, like <laughs> Never forget mind. it. You know what I mean? Because if if I can get something off the basic idea, then I can usually get some something going with it, but. Sometimes, you know, half the time, something I think is really funny is just not to other people. Yeah, that's a weird thing, too, because there are a lot of things that I I try to write clever, I think, more than laugh out loud funny, because that's what I enjoy. Yeah. And I don't know if that's ever going to get the reaction that I want out of it. Well, it is tough, too. Like, that's a tough, like... I don't know. It's like, clever is like love. It's when 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 you try and find it, it's uh it's it's it's, it's elusive, elusive bitch. but when you're not looking it's it's right there i've actually i've gotten some of my better laughs and i think it was because i was more comfortable and not reading what i wrote when i come up with an idea on stage like when i did the the pro wrestling geek show i was doing a whole bit about uh the undertaker's tombstone and everything yeah and all of a sudden i'm like at the end of it i was saying like he should open with that 
Like, why is that not the first move of every match? <laughs> if he has that in his arsenal, yeah. do that move every yeah, time. Yeah, they'd be dead. Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. I, and I metaphored it. I was like, that's like Voltron. It's like the lion's flying around for a half hour before he forms the robot and the sword and goes, bitch, yeah, dead. Got to hold it And that Voltron thing that I just thought of while I was up there was the biggest laugh of the set. And also... For even the people that didn't get it, the energy that you brought from like having- I was excited about you, it. Yeah, you were excited. You yeah. had a real thought. And yeah. audiences are so fucking perceptive of everything. And even on a, I think on a subconscious level, I don't think most of them are smart enough to go like, oh, this guy's nervous or that guy just saw that. They just feel it like in a right. weird like- it's just the energy. There is a def- And that's- that I think is the number one thing you get with time in this business. Yep. Like you're feeling like you can take that temperature much easier mm. from the stage. Like as, as the time goes by and yeah, there's oftentimes now where I'm just like, I like gurgle a word and I'm just yeah. like, done jokes done. <laughs> Some jokes like, or like if you gurgle a word that goes, that takes that joke from an A to a B like instant. Yeah. Even if you still get the laugh, they still had to do. They still had to do like a little math it on the way there. Well, it breaks theirs too. Yeah. Because like, there that half a second where they had to go. What did he say? Like that half a second where they did that took away. That's when the it magic. goes from ha ha to clever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I have a problem with that man because sometimes when I get going, I just get that marble mouth. Yeah. Like You have such a good rhythm though. Like you look wicked comfortable up there. Thanks, man. I mean, I do. I feel comfortable up there, but uh, a lot of that's podcasting. I think, though, I was saying that before we did it. I think podcasting is like so key to just getting comfortable. I heard Bill Burr say, "You, you just there's a you know there's gonna be like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow of yep. your thought, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like you learn how to kind of just talk your way to the point, like a like a politician. Sure. You learn how to just invent metaphors every five seconds. It's true. Everything is like something else, right? Jim Norton said, too, there's a lot of ways. They don't get it, but if you repeat yourself, you know, you re- Chris Rock repeats a premise like six times. Yeah. Sometimes it's great to repeat just because you're giving, just to give yourself time to think of mm. the next thing you're going to say. So just, I've done that a million times, or I'll take a long pause or I'll repeat something just to try and think of the next thing I can say. Yeah. It's a great thing with hecklers. And I, Jim Norton said this, and I just definitely took it. But it's so true. It's, Heckler says something to you like, you're not funny, right? Instead of trying to go, uh, you go, I'm not funny. That gives you like an extra two seconds to right, think of something. Right. You know what I mean? Stuff like that is just little types, little t- tiny things. And it repeats it for all the people who didn't hear what he said. Mm-hmm. And then that, that's when the crowd starts turning. That's another. I've made that mistake recently, actually, where I got into it with a heckler in a big place. And oh, yeah. back of the room didn't know. They think I'm a dick because they can't hear the other half of the conversation. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah, always repeat. I don't get heckled that often. Though. I'm not a very. Uh, is that still improv or is that the fucking? I don't know. I think the show started and someone's just screaming on stage. Oh yeah. Well, no. Still hasn't started. <laughs> Mind you, again, audience, we are outside. We are right outside the club. <laughs> I'm glad you think that I look that way. That that is my goal as a comedian to try and look. I, Mike, I always looked up to Richard Pryor. Yep. Like he's like my two heroes in comedy are. Seinfeld and Pryor. Okay. Like I think now Se- you're answering the questions I had written down without even <laughs> me pulling out the iPod. So thank you. <laughs> I think Seinfeld is like just the greatest writer. I yep. love his material. I love the way he cuts. Like his jokes have no fat. 
Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very efficient. Efficient gold. Richard Pryor, sometimes a lot of fat on the on the joke. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of nonsensical stuff, but like raw and you just get the feeling like you're alone watching him. Like he's just a guy telling you a story. Yeah. I always wanted to try and get that thing you get when you watch Seinfeld for the first time. Before you have any of that fucking jaded sort of, <laughs> yeah. this guy's the biggest comedian ever and this guy had the Seinfeld show. Like when I was a kid and I just saw Seinfeld do stand up and I was like, even as a kid, thought that that those observations were funny and they blew my mind. That mind blowing stand up moment yep. where people are like, I think that exact thing and I didn't even fucking know. <laughs> Why did I, I not write that, that down thought when that, I thought of yeah, it? Yeah, that I've thought that every time I've gone yeah. to like this place, da 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 da. So like, he's hit me with stuff. That I'm like, I didn't even know I thought that. Exactly, I, I do, but I didn't even know. Yeah, he had that joke about. Uh, he goes. When I'm driving in my car and I pull up to a shiny building, I like to look at my reflection just to make sure I'm still in my car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just like I always thought, and people love to like dismiss that kind of comedy. I don't know fucking why. I always fucking loved it. Observational comedy is Where, fucking great. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love mixing in with the storytelling and it's the best. Dave Chappelle does that really well. So I always wanted to kind of be... If I had to add a third to that, it would probably be Chappelle. Yeah. Like the modern day version of those two would be like Chappelle and Attell. Like mm. Attell's jokes, Chappelle's delivery, like, and Chappelle's jokes, really. But <laughs> I've always kind of wanted to feel like, I, I never wanted to be a comedian that like, as much as I love Seinfeld, I didn't want to be like, oh, this is his routine. This is like what he yeah. does. This is yeah. like... This is, um, you know, put this guy on a cruise ship or on anything, it could go snippety snappity. Like, I didn't want to be that tight. I yep. always kind of wanted to have a little bit of, like, the prior, like, who knows? Like, if someone someone throws something on stage, he'll do five minutes on it, you know? Yeah. So. Do you remember the first album that you ever listened to and just like, oh, stand-up comedy? Yeah. Like your Awakening album? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and it's kind of like, it's kind of funny, like. I don't know. Like I, I used to listen to a lot of Dennis Leary when I was a kid. <laughs> it's so funny that you said uh, because we are roughly the same age, yeah. right? No cure for cancer no cure was for mine. Cancer. That was my fucking awakening. I've got it in the car right yep. now. I keep it. Like you know, I've a lot's been illuminated about Leary over the years. Yeah. And, uh But yeah, and it's like I still listen to that though, and I'm like. I used to listen to that shit like fucking crazy, man. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I like I had. The tape, I believe. Yeah, the tape. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to CD. But I think if I have... To, my earliest real memory of being a fan of stand-up is two things. It was on both on HBO. It was Seinfeld. Yep. He did that first HBO special where they had, like, s vignettes to go with all his bits. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. Dude, I, I used to watch this thing. I actually had it on tape. I taped it off of uh, HBO. Yeah. And my mom, like, knew of it as, like, just, like, the comedy tape. I was like, I just want to watch like the tape, the tape, <laughs> the tape. And it was, it was, I remember I felt kind of like I was getting away with something, even though it was Seinfeld and it was very like kitty. Sure. But I felt like, cause he was in there and there were people smoking in the nightclub. I was like getting away with something. Yeah. But it was just all like, he'd be like, you know, you're in the supermarket and you just, you have no idea where you want to get to eat. And then it would cut to a like him in a supermarket, but the supermarket was like made of um, all the sets are made of paper. Like, you know, the 80s, oh, everything was yeah, like cartoon yeah, yeah. paper and e everything was like very Art Deco in 80s. Yeah. So 
if anyone else can remember this, I've never been able to find it. Like, on, oh really? No, I've seen. I've been able to find it on YouTube, but I haven't been able to find it to buy, like on DVD. If it exists, if I it, can find it, dude. Let's find it because <laughs> we'll watch it together. Like, I'd be interested in seeing it because I haven't seen it in years. But I used to watch this thing like crazy. I, I probably still remember like a lot of the jokes uh, from that. And then Michael Keaton used to have. Michael Keaton started as a stand-up. Oh, shit. And he was on one of the HBO, like, young stand-up specials. And they used to run it all the time. And I remember his bit. And I remember thinking that this was, like, this was the first bit that I ever heard. That I was like, that is genius. He was talking about how when you have a, you know, you go out with a chick and you sleep with her. He's like, the whole night, he's like, you're eating dinner. You're just like. You're on your best, you're being cool. You know, he's like, you're acting cool. And then you go back to her place, you're like making out. You're just being cool, you know, and then then you do it. That goes great. Then you go to sleep and there's just no way to sleep cool. And he was like (laughs) talking about how like, he's like got his arm above his head and his mouth open. Kind of snorting. (laughs) He's like farting and stuff like that. And he's talking about, he's got this beautiful woman next to him and he's like, and I, I just remember like, I was a little kid, eight or nine. I'm cracking up. I have no idea about sex or anything like yeah. that. But I'm just like, man, that's so true. Like, <laughs> that must be the toughest part about having sex. Like, <laughs> sleeping there and trying not to fart and stuff. And just thinking that was so funny. And, you know, I actually, I've actually wondered if that was even Michael Keaton or if it's just like my memory. Kind of like, like I know Michael, together. I know I used to watch Michael Keaton do stand up. Yeah. And I, I really do remember him doing that bit. But, uh, made me think of Mallrats when you said that. There's a whole metaphor that they do in Mallrats, Kevin Smith movie, where uh, they're talking about someone's relationship time. being about you're trying to get your arm up here, you wedge it between your two bodies. Oh, yeah. Or... yeah, that is, I mean, that is true. I, I remember they did something about that on uh, Friends, too, about how, like, when you, sl- when you when you sleep in the spoon position. And again, just... nobody's stealing from anybody. No, no. It's all just the oh, way I mean, that it's used. And That's the number one stuff, too, like the, yeah. the girlfriend, boyfriend, yeah. husband, wife stuff. That's the gold. Yeah. Although most of mine are about how I've been single <laughs> for so long. Yeah. Yeah, I used to have a lot of stuff about being single and have none of that. Anymore. But that's, that's what people, stuff now. like, the, that's the relatable, the easy relatable thing, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the husband, the the married people yeah, have that. Yeah. They do the super, like, I mean, that's an easy way to the uh, to the waterfall. It's like, My wife won't blow me. <laughs> and everyone's like, mine won't either. <laughs> And then that's five minutes. We're in this together, chum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who says chum? Chummy. Bart Simpson. Thanks, chum. Oh damn. We're uh, we're in this to win this. What are we at here? One fifteen. Nice. Damn. What do we what do we do? Another fifteen? We haven't gotten this long in a while, actually. Look at that. I can just talk all day, man. I know, right? Yeah. Anything else? Any other questions? Oh, that was the other. I, I wrote this down randomly. I don't know why. Because your name's Will. Is your name actually William? Yes. Yes. I'm wondering if you suffered the same affliction that I did, being named Robert and having so many variations that I could possibly be called. Has it always been Will? No. uh, This is actually pretty interesting, Uh, I guess, to some (laughs) people. It was Billy. For the two of us, this is interesting. No, no, because there's people out there who call me Billy, and I'll answer to it. Oh, yeah, I get called every variation by different groups of people. My... You know, my name is William. I'm named after my grandfather, who mm-hmm. went by Will, William. And then, uh, but I'm born, everyone calls me Billy, which I, f- I was fine with. Yeah. Uh, I was Billy my whole life until I was like 12 or 13. Then I go to this Catholic school, 
14, 15 years old, people start calling me Bill. Yeah. Didn't like that, you know? <laughs> I like I don't mind being Billy. Still wouldn't mind it if people want to call me Billy, but like people started calling me Bill and I just fucking like hated it. I was like so then, just sounds wrong. But I was just like, I'll just live with it. That's my name. And then I switched schools again. I went back from the Catholic school into like a public school. New opportunity. And I just remember it was literally like one of those things. The teacher's like, teacher's like, uh, William? And where <laughs> I had always said like, it's Billy yeah. or it's Bill, I was just like, it's Will. And I remember like a couple people who knew me. <laughs> were like like tearing their head like what what <laughs> and I was like that's ah, well now and then that was just it like I was like I think just I was became that I was fifteen and I mean I have it's my fucking name I have the right to do that right. and I like the name Will and you know my dad called me Willie my people plenty of people called me William it wasn't like like you know older people would call me William grandparents right, right. and stuff so it wasn't like crazy there was a couple years where it was like people would call the house and be like is Will there and my parents would make fun of me but. You know, that goes away. <laughs> See, I ran into a totally weird situation because my on the same thing, like I have all the variations of my name, but my dad is also named Robert and I'm not a uh, junior. So they couldn't because we have different middle names. Oh, uh, so he goes by. I didn't know that negated the junior. Yeah, totally Jesus. negates it. It has to be exactly the same all the way through. <laughs> So did that they was know that? In, <laughs> did they know that when they did it? Uh, well, see, my name was like, did supposed they want to be... a junior? <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, my name was supposed to be Michael, and then my grandfather passed away like a month or so before I was born. So they took his first name, made it my middle name, bumped my middle name, which was Robert, because that's where my dad's name was going to be. Bumped that up to the lead, <laughs> and then wow. then what would have been Michael would have been my actual first name. They threw that right out the window. That was not even a piece anymore. That's, all right. that's not Michael's like. No, the, yeah, that's super common. Michael's like the. Uh... So they had to differentiate. My dad went by Bob. Uh, my mom was like, as long as nobody Bob. calls you Rob, because I don't like Rob. Of course, fucking most people call God, me this Rob. This is exactly the same. Is it? Because Robert and William are both regal fucking classy names. Right. And Bob and Bill are both asshole right. fucking names. And <laughs> and my parents, my parents still call me Bobby. Yeah, my parents and, call me Billy. And the worst part of the whole thing, and I've already started like writing a thing about this too, is that I I didn't know my legal name was Robert until kindergarten <laughs> when I was writing my name on my paper and I wrote Bobby. And they're like, nope, write your name. You want to talk about trauma? Yeah, it's Bobby. <laughs> they're like, that is not your name. I'm like, what? Mind blown. I had to learn in school that my name was Robert. That's funny. It threw me for a loop, and now I still get called every variation by every day. I'm Not Bobby to, to some, you Bob, under what Rob name? to some, uh, Rob Impact, uh, Berserker. I have so many nicknames, it's yeah. just stupid You're at this point. Machine. I don't even know who I am. Logan's not even my real last name. Like, I'm, oh, really? I'm all over the you place. you choose that because of uh, X-Men? Just because, uh, well, I, I forget why I chose it. I just like the name. I think I probably heard it first from Wolverine, yeah. and then just kind of... Yeah, Rob Rob Weapon X was taken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, listeners? Yes. I got it. He's proving the geek cred right there. I got some of it. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Yeah. This is probably a natural stopping point. Yeah, I that assume. was a good that yeah. was a good joke to edit on. But yeah. We went out strong, say yeah. our names and get out of here. This was a pleasure, man. I'd love to come on again. Absolutely. Fuck anytime. I see you enough, so. Yeah. Anytime. Um Let's get your plugs out, all that shit. Uh, WillNewton.com. You can find links to, like, well, uh, you can find all my, like, Facebook and Instagram and yep. stuff. 
Vine, Will Noonan the comedian. Twitter got that at Will Noonan. And um if you're really interested, I got a CD on Amazon and iTunes yeah. called Surprise-O. So uh yeah, check and that out. And there's your podcast. My podcast hypothetically. Let's do that. While yeah, we're I know. in the podcast I'm world. Terrible. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, I got some <laughs> shit coming up down the pipe. Uh yeah, I got the hypothetically podcast with me, Will Noonan. Uh that's just kind of like a the idea behind that podcast is like a lot of us listen to Rogan and Mark Marin and Fitzsimmons and they always talk about like their old days where they would travel around New England yeah, doing these yeah. shitty gigs. That is what I am doing now. <laughs> so let's chronicle. I am in the shit of doing I'm doing literally I work for the exact same people. Like <laughs> they tell me stories about Rogan and those guys all the time. I'm working the same clubs, the same people. So I try and tell that sort of like day to day. Cool. Tales of uh, the life of a not famous, but still full time comedian. The days I am working towards. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm still below that. You too can live. I live off a fucking waitress's salary, pretty much. But you know, you can hey make man, it happen as long as you're doing what you want to do. That's the it's important. Feast or thing. famine. It's just like anything. I'm sure in wrestling, yeah. it's the same thing. You yeah, I was at the full time job too. But that's right. We're wrestlers, man. I've heard they get paid shit. <sighs> It's no tough. good. It's no good at all. They get paid in. They get paid in. What are those like MRSA infections and shit? <laughs> staff infections. I got two staffs tonight. People don't that even know that salary. about that. Like Daniel Bryan constantly has like a staff infection. He's oh. always talking. Oh, it's fucking vegan. That's from being on the mat, folks. Yeah, and the ringworm. Yeah. <laughs> all oh, the high God. school wrestlers getting ringworm all the time. Well, it's because they're always hazing each other with like. Butt action. candles. Butt action. <laughs> That's how you get ringworm, kids. <laughs> All the butt action. Don't try that at home either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And on a laugh, huh? That'll do it. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Will. One more time, I want to thank Will Noonan for joining me for this episode. You can go to willnoonan.com to see his upcoming dates and get his album on iTunes. I'll also link to it in the show notes at thegeekgeneration.com. If you're a listener through iTunes, please rate the show and write a review on iTunes. We always appreciate those. Please like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration. Follow us at geekgeneration on Twitter and Pinterest. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Send emails with your questions and feedback to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. A link to their site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening. We'll see you with another show next week. Later. Make it so.